Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we're not gathering in one space this Easter, but we're gathering in many spaces. So God, you have actually multiplied the spaces that you were being worshipped this morning. And so, God, we, we realize that this is a time to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the new life that we have, the forgiveness of sins, and what you did through your son and are doing through your son in the world. And so we are thankful that we get to essentially come together to worship you through a different medium, a different way this Easter. But God, we are thankful that it's in many spaces, not just one space that we're worshiping this morning. And so we pray as, as we go through First Peter, God, that you would grant us this opportunity to see this inheritance that we have that leads to salvation. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm John Mueller, the lead pastor at Sunlight Community Church, and I'd like to welcome you here to our online service on Easter Sunday. Today we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter, and Easter is, is a day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, showing us that he was and is and will be victorious. If you have our app, uh, you want to click on the top of the feed there, and it'll actually link to our YouVersion event. And so you may need a phone and an iPad or two different devices to be able to do that. So grab another phone or I, I, iPad or, or device and, and look up uh, our notes for YouVersion this morning. It also has announcements in there as well. Today we're going to be talking about living with hope. Are you hopeful or hopeless? Are you cup half full or cup half empty? Or maybe you're watching Lion King. No, forget that. You're watching Tiger King because you're so bored right now. But, but right now, it depends on who you talk to. Whether you're ignoring what is going on in the world, you're belittling it, you're despairing, or it's crushing you. Or maybe you're having hope about when it will end. Hope is not just like wishing on a star like a Disney movie, or it's not like hoping you're going to have ice cream for dessert. Although that is the way we treat it many times. We become hopeless because hope is nothing more than a wish to us. Hope is not a bet on the future. We're not betting on our future when we hope. Because hope in the Bible is a certain expectation of a future event. Hope is a certain expectation of a future event. We know without any doubt there's something that's going to happen. First Peter gives us a glimpse. He allows us to see what a living hope is. Hope for now, hope for the future that leads to joy. So this Easter, if you can, if you can with me, let's choose joy. Let's choose joy in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And we'll start reading there through verse 5. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 
Peter starts here, and he doesn't write about difficult circumstances or how we are to live like most of the other books in the New Testament, but instead starts by blessing God. It's an unexpected pivot. It's not something we expect Peter to do. And, and this blessing literally means to speak a good word about. Bless God. To speak a good word about because God's been good to us. He is good. And so we're speaking a good word about him. It's where th this word like eulogy comes from. This idea of speaking good things about others. In verse 1, Peter is greeting the exiles dispersed all over the known world. That's at the beginning of the book. That's who he's writing this to. And they were tucked away in remote areas throughout Asia and modern-day Turkey. They were the left-out ones, the ones that had journeyed far from home and were all over the world. So when you, when you go to bless God, remember this. You are standing in the presence of all that is dear to you. We might be all over the world. We might be all over our community right now, but we are in the presence of God. We are home. If we don't believe in God yet, we haven't really come home yet. And we need to be thinking about that. Because Peter is flying at 30,000 feet as he goes to verse 3. While we're still on the ground, frustrated by the difficulties of life, Peter's having an eternal perspective. When he blesses God, he's focused on this eternal perspective when we're focused on what's right in front of us. We're losing sight of the bigger picture. But Peter knows this. And so Peter knows that God's bringing us back home. It's the place where we need to be. We're homesick. There's many different ways you could describe homesickness. But right now, I think of we're homesick as a church. Unable to gather in person, but also homesick for heaven. Many of us have, have health complications, difficulties. We have things that keep us from being completely healthy. And, and we're homesick for heaven because we'll have a, a body that doesn't have those same ailments. The, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the only cure. It's the only cure for the soul's homesickness. We're homesick for, for heaven. The strong encouragement here by Peter is for us to consider Jesus, consider his resurrection, and consider the hope that we have. This homesickness, we all have an exile. We're in exile, away from God. And yet, in verse 1, we see that, that, that exile that the people were in. But now, in verse 3, we have hope of an eternal inheritance. God's activity in the past gives us hope for the future. We can't forget that. We need to regain hope, a living hope. It's a living hope. It's continuous. So what is this living hope to which we have been born again look like? We're all, we're all born again to the living hope in Jesus' resurrection. That's what Easter is all about. It's about Jesus' resurrection. This living hope is in Jesus and that he was raised from the dead on the third day after being crucified. If Jesus remained in the grave, we would be a hopeless people. Christians all over the world would be worshiping on Easter, and it would be hopeless because Jesus would still be in the grave. But he did not stay in the grave, and death was not the last word. God's given us a living 
hope and an invincible inheritance. This inheritance from God, it says, is imperishable, which means not able to be destroyed. It's not able to be destroyed by anything. It, we will pass away from this earth, and the stars will still be there. The stars will pass away, but God will be there still with our imperishable inheritance. Undefiled. It says it's undefiled. It means not polluted. Everything in our world is polluted at this point. We're in a defiled world. What does it mean to be undefiled? Some dream of a world, as, as theologians describe, a world where every woman sleeps without fear. Every man is honorable, and every child is cherished. The inheritance is not polluted by sin because we've been given an inheritance from a sinless Savior. Not every, or every one of us is contaminated. We are a world of people with dirty hands. We, we, we tell lies. We, we struggle staying in the right direction. But, but, we, Jesus is undefiled. He is, is, is perfect. He was a perfect sacrifice. And through him, we're able to access God's presence and receive an inheritance that we've been longing for, an inheritance that leads us back home. And it's unfading. This inheritance unfading, it means not subject to decay. It's not going to decay in front of us. It's unfading like our own, our, unlike our own bodies that fade as we age. This inheritance makes us complete, restored, new. And when we meet Jesus in heaven, we are going to celebrate the inheritance that we have. One author said it this way, our future inheritance will only cause the worst experiences in our life to become distant memories. Don't you long for that? The worst experiences are going to be distant memories. And then also, it will make the most exotic places on earth and the finest moments of our lives pale in comparison. Because it will be so much greater. Peter doesn't stop there, but continues by saying in verse 5, who, who, who is he talking about? You. He's talking about you. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. These are words of hope for a scattered people all over the world. We are scattered right now. You're not sitting here with me but you are sitting here with me because you're in your home. You're, you're somewhere in the community, somewhere across the world maybe. And, and we're scattered all over the world. But it, this is words of hope for you. Can you imagine with me the effect that this had on, on the people that first read this? That were scattered all over the world. They were gathered in homes and they were spiritually tired. And maybe you're spiritually tired. And, and you're hearing this. But it says here, but by God's power, you are being guarded through faith. Those are words we need to hear right now. We need to hear that as we have, have a stay-at-home order. We need to live in faith as we socially distance in a, in a physical sense. Because, because Jesus is not socially distancing himself from us. He's right here with us. Peter says this is for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last days. The last time, we will not fully see what salvation is until we see Jesus at the end of time. 
This is a promise. It's not yet complete, but it is part of our imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance. Perhaps you're thinking, maybe God's forgotten you, but he hasn't. He's there with you. This is not just hope. It's a living hope. Knowing that you might be discouraged, these words are for you. These words in 1 Peter. We have a hope of a future salvation. Nothing can shake us out of God's hand. We are in his grip. Jesus is not staying home right now in heaven. He's with you today as you're watching this. He's not quarantined. He's not sheltering in place. He's risen from the grave for all eternity. And you, can, you have that opportunity to have an inheritance where you can be with him forever. These verses contain promises that we need to cling to in midst of, of difficult times. In the middle of these, these difficult times, the resurrection of Jesus and the inheritance that we have is, are things that we need to cling to. This inheritance results, the results that we have need to be in our minds as we encounter difficulties. For, uh, for all eternity, when we encounter difficulties, they're temporary. But this, this inheritance is eternal. Continue with me, starting in verse 6. In 1 Peter 1, 6. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not, do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with what? With joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of of your souls. Peter, Peter tells us here of our future hope, and he tells us that it, that it is still relevant in the adversity we face right now, today. We have an inheritance, but sometimes we're going to encounter difficulties now. This inheritance, we're going to have difficulties now, but the inheritance that's in the future is going to be way greater than any difficulties we encounter now. And so, he talks about joy, and we're just, where is your joy? Where is your joy? Where, where is it found? Where is it rooted? Where, where does it come from? Jesus gives us joy in the middle of suffering. It's in the middle of suffering that we find our joy. Responding to suffering with joy is counterintuitive. It's the opposite of what we want to respond with, but it's a consistent theme in the Bible. It's a consistent theme throughout the Gospels. It's a consistent theme in the Old Testament. When we reflect on the inheritance of eternal life in the middle of trials, we are filled with joy that cannot be taken from us. It's inexpressible because there's so much joy flowing out of us. But when our joy is rooted in financial security or a relationship or present circumstances, they all change. If we're, if we're financially stable, oh, we're good, okay? That's where our joy comes from. Or how another person responds to us, maybe. Or if we're having a good or bad day. It could come down to your mood. But yet, joy that comes from Jesus is rooted in him. It doesn't deny suffering, but it sustains us in the middle of suffering. It says we will be grieved by many trials. Peter says this. We're going to be grieved by many trials. What does various trials mean? 
Various is a word, it broadens that out. What, what does that mean? And, and what can we learn from various trials? Hebrews 3, 7 and 8 uses the same word to describe testing in the wilderness. There will be times in life that you will lack a sense of permanence, of position, protection, and provision. Luke 8.13 makes the same connection with trials and joy. There will be times that you will be verbally or physically persecuted because of your faith. And you may wonder, why is this happening? In Galatians 4, 13 and 14, trials were described as our, our loved ones undergoing physical suffering and pain. And a lot of us right now, all across the world, can empathize with that. We see that happening in our world. We see it distant. We see it close. We see members of our, our, our church being affected by this. There will be times in life that we will experience seeing loved ones in pain and suffering. And that is a trial. That's one of those trials that, that Peter's talking about here. Matthew 26, 41 uses the same word to describe fighting off temptation from Satan. There will be times in life that we will fight temptation from Satan. We must go through this, go through that temptation to get to our inheritance, to eternal rest. Sigh with me for a second. <sighs> eternal rest that is filled with joy. So what purpose are trials? What purpose do they have in our life? I mean, I don't think any of us like them. We don't, we don't like knowing that, that things are happening around us that are gonna be difficult. God allows trials for our faith to be genuine. Trials prove that we have a genuine faith. If you look in verse 7, it's clear the tested genuineness of our faith is the result. Trials test us. They're us being tested like the refining process of gold. Think about that. Gold is heated up, and, and it's at a really high temperature. There's a lot of pressure and, and when we're going through trials, there's more pressure than we normally have. There's more stress. And so we, we go through that and we get refined until we're, we're genuine. There's more genuine faith. Does anyone know what a, a, a tribulum is? It's a cart with a, a sharp stone and, and rough bits of iron attached to these huge rolling cylinders. And it grinds grain and separates the husks from the grain. This is where we get the word tribulation. We might be put, be put through the grind of life right now, but we're to cling to our faith in Jesus. Faith in his resurrection. Faith, faith in, the, in the fact that we have an eternal inheritance. You might be suffering right now in one of these ways that, that, that I just mentioned, but you don't need, to, need to, to despair. You need to remember that God is at work. He tests our faith. We must remember that our faith has eternal eternal value beyond our trials. Our faith is not dependent on presently seeing Jesus. We don't need to see Jesus walking among us for us to continue believing in him because the Bible says he's at the right hand of God in heaven waiting for us. Our future inheritance of salvation is gained in our present se season of suffering. So be joyful because we have an eternal inheritance where trials are only temporary. They're only the things that are right in front of us, but we forget that God has given us something greater now. Jesus is not on lockdown. 
He's not still in the grave. He's alive, raised from the dead, resurrected from physical death to give us an eternal inheritance. So my, my question this Easter morning is, is who or what are you rooting your joy in? Where is it found? If it's finances, I'm here to tell you they change. They can't be counted on. The stock market goes up and down. There's things that we put our hopes in that don't return an investment. There's relationships. Maybe that's where you're finding your joy. But those will disappoint at some point, no matter who they are, no matter who they're with. Relationships will disappoint at some point. Circumstances, maybe your circumstances are really great right now. Maybe they're terrible, but they're going to change so fast. If you had told me what happened over this last month, one year ago, and you had said this to me, I probably would have laughed at you. I'd be like, there's no way that's going to happen. But circumstances change, and they change quickly. Or maybe, maybe, you're, you're finding your joy. You're rooting your joy. The place it's found is in Jesus. He's the only one that won't change. He's the only one that, that won't disappoint. He's the only one that won't be taken from us. Because he's had victory over death. So what trials are you facing right now? What are you grieving? I know, I know many people all over our country are laid off. More than any time that I have been alive, I know the ripple effects are going to happen of this stay-at-home, shelter-in-place, lockdown time will be vast. But this does not have to be so for, for us. Trust that Jesus is there with you in your grief. I don't think anywhere in the Bible it says don't grieve. In fact, it talks about grieving with others that are grieving. He is there with you. Jesus is there with you, caring for you, loving you. Remember the living hope that you have, the inheritance that you will enjoy. Look at how God has guarded your faith among trials. This is one trial on a list of many that we will encounter in our lifetimes. God is working to refine us. We should be thankful and find joy in midst of our trials and our grief. The resurrection gives us something that we can't have from any other place. It's a living hope. It's not a wish on a star. It's not, it's not hoping for ice cream. It's a living hope. It's an expectation, a certain expectation, that a future event will happen. It's not just wishing. So what? So what do we do? John, I don't, I don't know what to do about this. So what do we do? And maybe this is your, your first time watching this with us and the first time you've been uh, a part of our Sunlight family. So what do we do? God is bringing us home through a living hope, an invincible inheritance. Maybe you're not home yet. Maybe Jesus is not at the center of your life. And this time, instead of praying and reading the Bible, You've been binge-watching anything you can get your hands on to numb out what's going on in the world around you. Maybe you're obsessively checking the news, but Jesus is there waiting for you to cry out to him right now. He's waiting. Maybe you're doubting your hope at this time, but I can tell you without a doubt that Jesus gives us a living hope, hope of a certain future for all eternity. And that we can't have taken away from us. There's nothing that can stop us. The inheritance he's given us, 
that though, to those that, he is, is put, that we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, it's invincible. The bank can take your house. You can lose all your possessions. People can treat you poorly for the rest of your life. If you lose your life on this earth, you will still not lose this inheritance. No one can take this inheritance of eternal life in the kingdom of God from you. We have to remember that. We have to remember that eternal significance. God gives us joy in the midst of trials, in the middle of trials that show our faith is genuine. I want to be real for a minute. I'm grieving right now. I, I have something I'm grieving. And many of you might be grieving the same thing. I'm grieving the fact that on Easter, of all days, we're not gathering together as a church in one place. But that made me realize we're gathering together in multiple places. God has multiplied the spaces that he is being worshipped all over the world. And that is amazing. The truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is no less true today than if we gathered in one space for Easter. This has been a wake-up call for me. I value meeting with others so much. But meeting with my Savior, he's with me always. If you're watching this, remember God is bringing you home through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been made alive again, born again to a living hope. We may not see how he is working right now, but we still believe because our inheritance is invincible. This Easter will be one we all remember. So if you remember one thing about Easter, remember this living hope that we have, this inheritance we have when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to have you do something with me. It's a little different because we're not doing it in person. But I'm going to say, he is risen. And I want you at home to say, he is risen indeed. And maybe you comment below, he is risen indeed. Okay? So, so we know that Jesus is risen. So he is risen. And then you're saying, he is risen indeed. So he is risen. And that, that is so powerful. He is risen indeed. Remember that this Easter. Don't forget it because it doesn't matter where you are. That truth is true every day for the rest of your life, for all eternity, that Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, can you pray with me as we thank God and we bless God because of what he's done for us? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we are so thankful for the living hope, the hope of a future, that this certain hope of a future event, that we will have an inheritance for all eternity. God, you are so gracious with us. You love us. You care for us. You're with us. Those that are experiencing trials right now, God, you are with us. May our faith be found genuine. God, this Easter, let us not forget, let us not forget every day that Jesus has given us a new life. We've been born again and be given given an inheritance for all eternity that can't be taken from us in any way. God, I pray for everyone watching. If they do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they have not put their faith and trust in him, that God, right now, they would. And receive that eternal inheritance that can't be taken away from us 
for any reason. God, allow us to pursue Jesus this morning. Let us be able to spend time with family. Let us be able to spend time with each other as we worship him for what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen.